This is the Vorpal Network. VorpalNetwork.com This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Continue Magazine, a quarterly magazine for gamers of all types. Noble Knight Games, where out of print is available again. And listeners like you, thanks for using The Tome's Amazon store. Hey, this is Stephen Raddy McFarlane, one of the biggest nerds in the world, and you're listening to The Tome. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley. In this episode, number 204, we're going to find inspiration from the mecca of gaming, Gen Con. And join, joining us is a man who fills a notebook with ideas, sitting in at just one game, Mike Shea from Sly Flourish. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. <laughs> thanks, I'm very excited. <laughs> this is my excited voice. Wee! <laughs> All right, so this episode was inspired by Gen Con, which is now, what, a couple months ago. Um, conventions are one great source of inspiration, and while we were at Gen Con, I watched Mike fill a notebook with ideas while sitting in uh, a panel or whatever it was. Um, so, but we're going to talk about the ideas, uh, or we're going to talk about the process that we that we use to find inspiration, and then how to implement that inspiration in our games. But first, uh, we need to mention our sponsor, Continue Magazine. Uh, they've been our sponsor for some time now. It's a quarterly gaming magazine that helps us pay our bills. They've recently released issue three, and they've been growing, improved their technology, and hit a variety of topics. So be sure to check them out and tell them you heard about them from the Tome Show. For entire generations of people now, gaming is as much a part of the fabric of their reality as television, films, books, music, and any other form of entertainment medium. Continue is a magazine for the gaming community, the global gaming community. Not just video and computer games, but board games, card games, role-playing games, alternate reality games, and anything that falls into the category of humans engaging to have fun. A celebration of gaming. Everything we love about this mad entertainment sector. Continue Magazine at www.continuemag.com. And we're back, and it is time to get inspired. Mike Shea. Yo. Where do you get inspiration? I don't know. All right, cool. Places. Mo- moving on. Episode over. <laughs> uh, so specifically, a gen- so, so um, Gen Con, I think, if, if anybody has an opportunity to go there, uh, they should. Any, any dungeon master or any game master uh, that has an opportunity to go there should because it's – or any gamer for that matter, any, any tabletop gamer because it is beyond just – getting ideas and meeting people and seeing styles and talking to really smart folks about how they run their games or how they play and, and their thoughts. Uh, it's just a fantastic opportunity to, to meet people and, and make, make friends and, and talk to friends that you've met online and things like that. Um, but I, I think it really is a, if, if, if you, if one goes in to Gen Con with the right, uh, mindset, uh, one can learn an awful lot about how to be a better gamer. Uh, so mm-hmm. specific sources of inspiration are, of course, watching people, you know, playing in a bunch of games. You know, if you can, if you, as many games as you can play in, you will learn a lot. And even the bad ones, um, you know, we can talk more about this if you want, but even, you know, you, you'll, you'll sit in some bad games and uh, 
even from those, if, if while you're in the middle and you're like, wow, this is miserable, you know, just saying like, why is it miserable? Right. What is, what's not engaging me? What, what's going wrong here? And what the other players think and what are they doing? Well, right. This person, I'm not having fun, but what's this person doing that is fun or what, what's their perspective on it? And you can you can really kind of dissect the situation and take a an, an, an more analytical view of it rather than just sitting there surfing Twitter on your iPhone, which I have a tendency to do anyway. <laughs> so, you know, so I think that that's a really good one. And then, of course, the seminars, the seminars are really fantastic and, and the conversations are fantastic. So if I I'd have to say that those are probably the three great places to get inspiration for running games at Gen Con or be running, playing in games and running games yourself. Well, and it's interesting, uh-huh. as, as you describe a lot of that, I think a lot of people are going and playing a lot of games. A lot of people are engaging in a lot of conversations, but they're not always getting inspiration. Part of it is is training yourself to always be open to, right. to look for that inspiration, you know, to look for those ideas or those moments that say, hey, that sounds cool. Or, I mean, like you just said, uh, you sit in a bad game, there's still things you can learn from that, but you take a very academic approach to it, which is funny because usually if, if I get to the point that I'm taking an academic approach, I'm looking at it from so far above at this point, the game, um, that I'm not into it enough to actually enjoy the game anymore. But if you're not already not having fun, <laughs> then you might as well study it and figure out what's going wrong and why. Right. Um, you know, and, and yeah, you don't have to do it right at the time too. You know, my, my wife and I will often... Uh, and this happens with games that I play in around here too, where I'll say like, okay, what, what, what are the five things you loved about that game? What are the five things you didn't? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what, what did that DM do well? And mm-hmm. then she and I will kind of discuss the things that worked out really well and I'll write them down. You know, I'll, I'll keep track of, of what they, of, uh, you know, what, what we thought they did well or what, what kind of fell apart. Yeah. And I, I honestly find that if I keep my, myself open to the idea of finding inspiration in places, I will find it. In things I'm reading, um, you know, I was an early reader in your upcoming uh, DM, um, Lazy DM book, right? Right. And I, I read one of your examples. I, I completely interpreted that situation, that setting that you were describing in a completely different way than you intended. Mm-hmm. And then it gave me a huge idea. And now I am, I'm, I'm building a campaign around that concept that, had, that ultimately had nothing to do with what you were trying to portray. But right. it, it, it sparked something in me that built a, a new idea. I'm I'm happy to still take credit. Oh, absolutely! I'll totally at the game table. I will I will inform everybody. This game session was was inspired by SlyFlourish.com. Excellent. Yeah, and if you get right SlyFlourish.com slash yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> maybe give them the Amazon link. Yes, to my players. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and it's and it's not just there. I mean, whether you know, we're reading uh, for the book club right now. We're reading the complete Kobold Guide to Game Design, uh, mm-hmm. and. While I'm going through a, a section that I'm not particularly engaged in, I'm still getting tons of inspiration. And all of a sudden, I, I find myself that night designing a new game, game concept. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Even in the areas where I'm not necessarily engaged in the content, I'm still opening myself up to getting ideas and right. seeing, what, seeing what I can do, do with that. Yeah, well, and that's two of the interesting things for me about Gen Con and getting inspiration is is one, the opening up part is also a lot of times Gen Con, you've been taken out of your normal element. And it, I think it can sometimes be easier to uh, think of new ideas that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I read an article recently, they're talking about the 10 things you shouldn't do with a smartphone. And one of them is always filling your time with checking Twitter or, or something like yeah. that is because the unstructured... 
uh, thinking time is very important for creativity. And when you're taking your shower, which you should be taking your shower during Gen Con, you know, <laughs> you're not in a rush to get to work or, and you're thinking about gaming anyway, ideas can, can uh, appear. Mm-hmm. And then the other one for me is the exhibit hall floor, the dealer floor. And mm-hmm. looking not only at the gaming booths, but the there's a there are a whole big booth full of uh, accessories for for LARPing or corsets or anything like that, and so many ideas for magical items come <laughs> for me. I've got whole adventures. I've got whole adventures just based on corsets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. But like I saw the the mugs that are made of wood, and those like I, I feel mm. like I should put them in a game now. Uh, the see, huge for big... me for me it's almost always setting things. If I see an interesting setting, then a story will build from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's it, uh, it, you brought up a couple of interesting points. One, um, only a couple. Um, <laughs> rest was useless. But let's, um, let's not give her too much credit. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't remember the points. No, um, one of the interesting things about it is the whole free time. I, you know, there's lots of articles, and I, I have a tendency to read lots of articles about how people spend time, which is itself this complete cyclic horror show, you know, <laughs> like Lifehacker, right? What's wrong with that website? You know, here, here's 72 articles a day that help you make your life simpler. Right. right. <laughs> you know. Which you don't have time to do because you're spending all your time reading the articles. Right, exactly. And it's like, here's 38 new Firefox bookmarks that make Firefox easier to use. So, um, that, but, but one of the articles was about you know boredom and people in line at starbucks are on their cell phones all the time they have to fill every moment with something useful you know they always have to and i'm horrible at this right i've got to oh my god i'm sitting here and doing nothing and it's funny because that boredom is often required in order to come up with a creative idea and if we don't let ourselves get bored then we never reach that state because we're we're in some guy montag fahrenheit 451 world where we have a little buzzing thing in our ear all the time so we never actually have to think Right. Unless, of course, you're using that time to listen to podcasts, and then you'll find all kinds of inspiration in those. Yeah, podcasts on, are the exception, of course. Right. Uh, <laughs> those are brilliant. Uh, but the other interesting thing was about getting inspiration. You know, you, you mentioned getting inspiration from um, you know something that was not intended to be that way, and I think that that's true for a lot of published material. Mm-hmm. That a lot of published material drives inspiration. Um, there was an article, I think Perkins on on. Uh, um, on DDI, one of the on one of his uh, uh, you know his one of his articles recently, he talked about adventures and how adventures are read a lot and used little. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing in my mind with that is, are we are are they are they designed correctly? Then you know, if these are built for inspiration, is it really, or if they end up fueling inspiration, is that how they're built? And right. what kind of things can we build that give people both the inspiration and then the tools to execute? better than here's, you know, 10,000 words, but you're only going to use two. Well, that's interesting because a lot of times I find that the things that are built for inspiration don't inspire me. And maybe that's what they found, right? right. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's true. Maybe you have to have an entire adventure, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you, you don't know, even though, you know, a small percentage of people are actually going to play out an adventure you build, enough people are going to be inspired and they're going to be inspired by different parts of it. Right. So, yeah. And well, one thing I was thinking about today when I was waiting for uh, Fred to pick me up was the was with adventures the little call outs to make uh, to give examples of things you could use around the house to represent it or uh, for people who who because sometimes we don't give a lot of detail to DMs about how you can bring the senses into play mm-hmm. 
so having little call-outs about how to how to do that that within the adventure and giving some tips there i I was kind of like maybe that's an idea that i will use in the future yeah yeah i was i always try to look not that we're getting into how to build adventures but (laughs) (laughs) what's our inspiration yeah right yeah this is all back to inspiration right I always think about like, well, what are the parts of an adventure that I hate doing on my own? Like, what are you know, what what do I wish someone else handed to me? And that's what I try to write. You know, mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, the thing, inspiration is a really interesting thing, and in that whole idea of of how we spend our time and where we get our inspiration from. And I think the answer that I hear a lot from most people is everywhere and everything. Um, you know, Teos uh, Alpha Stream on Twitter, freelancer for Watsi and uh, a big. Um, big supporter of the organized play stuff. He said that he went to Europe, you know, and he <laughs> did a big long trip in Europe and got inspired from all sorts of things, you know, seeing seeing the old country and seeing you know these ancient kind of things that you 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 get a feeling for the texture of a place. You know, the Tower of London. I was at the Tower of London a few years ago, and you know, it's totally different when you see what a dungeon is like when it was built like a dungeon. Right. Yeah. So. It's, although it's interesting because those are not always the kinds of things that spark stories to me. You know. No, but they build texture like the wooden. Mm-hmm. The, uh, sure. So when I'm describing something, then I I have that detail to go to, but it doesn't necessarily inspire what I'm going to do with that next adventure or with that next game. You know. Well, it's like I wanted to. My my group decided to go in a different uh go on a different path, but I wanted to do the mash inspired fantasy game. Right. Where where you're basically behind behind you're not on the war zone, but it's during a time of war, and there's all sorts of stories that could be told during that time period. And the emphasis kind of is more on story than going out and killing things. Mm-hmm. Right. Not that killing things can't be its own story, but sure. But but that story's been told a lot in D anD. d Right. So, so now here now here's the the big trick for me. I, I'm open to inspiration, and I get inspired all the time. But unless it's a really big idea that I'm really instantly super excited about, that I that I drop whatever I'm doing and spend all of my time thinking about that concept. I usually end up forgetting about it after a day or two, and then that inspiration is just gone. So, so how how can we remember the inspiration that we have or that we get? Uh, I mean, my my trick is so so. There's there's a bit of a you know your your original kind of scenario of seeing me hammering stuff out of my little notebook mm-hmm. while I was in the seminar. You know that was that was support for my site. You know, that, that wasn't necessarily, you know, me getting great ideas so that I could put them in my game. I, I have to come up, you know, I come up with a and d tip every day and have for like three years, you know, and I got to fuel that somehow. So a lot of times I'll sit in, in a seminar where Chris Perkins is talking and my goal will be I want 20 tips from this. So that's, you know, that's one thing that like I, I, I record a lot of tips. I couldn't even tell you what they are right now. You know, because I, I, I could because I have a little file on my computer. But you know, <laughs> it's not like I got 20 tips from that and all 20 of those tips immediately found their way into my game. Um, and, and you're hitting on a, a much bigger topic and subject that I'm very interested in and also somewhat dismayed by. Uh, you know, the, Sly Flourish's Dungeon Master Tips and Sly Flourish Epic Tier Gaming and the upcoming um, uh, international best-selling release of uh, <laughs> Lazy Dungeon Master. Uh, those are self-help books for geeks, right? They're self-help books for, for, for D&D. And it's because I have a tendency of reading a lot of self-help books. And, and I hate them, but I read them a lot. And the real fallacy of self-help books is they make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, and people generally don't change. Right. You know, and it's, 
I mean, like diet books, you know, there's a, imagine, imagine if diet books, uh, may only made money when people lost weight. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you look at like Weight Watchers and how the, the business model behind Weight Watchers and how it works, you know, they don't make money when people lose weight. They make money when people, you know, go up and down. Right. So, you know, it's that same issue that like we can capture this stuff all day long. I can sit and capture 20 tips listening to Chris Perkins. And for me, it's fuel for the, for, for the site. It's fuel for, for, the, for my Twitter feed. Um, and, I, I, you know, do some of them really kind of grab me and go, wow, that's great. I want to use that. Yeah. But, I mean, I've got a thousand of them now. You know, I can't. I, it's hard to say that I've used a thousand tips, you know, in my game or certainly mm -hmm. that I can remember a whole bunch of them. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's really tough. I mean, what I, what I've essentially learned is giving advice is, is kind of a, a bad racket. <laughs> and it's nice. Like if you go, okay, well, you, you read on a book and it helped you, you know, come up with an idea for a game, then okay, that's success. I'm good with that. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard and it's, it's different when like Perkins told you what to do. Right, he didn't come and say this is how you should run your game. And he's like, yeah, screw you. I run my own game my own way. You mm -hmm. know, you were seeking his advice. We really want it, right? We want to, you know, we want. But it's hard for people to really say I'm going to actually do something with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I I try. I often will post on G Plus about them. I I feel weird sometimes putting the random ideas I have on on my blog because. I don't know. I feel people expect something more fully formed than, "Hey, I have this idea of using Mash um, <laughs> to inspire my game." But, uh, the but, other at, but at the same time, isn't that what your site kind of started as? I know, isn't it? <laughs> so I think it would be. I think it would be good. I think people would enjoy sort of getting back to the, some of that too. So okay, I, I might do it. I don't think you should. You should hesitate on that. I mean, honestly, that's that's one of the things I was going to mention as well. Is that if I have an idea and I think it's an exciting enough idea, I'll, I'll write about it. I'll either put it on temporary hit points, or I'll or I'll just put it on on the campaign site that I have for my group, and I'll say, right. hey, I had this idea. I'll stick it in the forums. Let me know what you think. Maybe we'll do this later on. You know, just so it's out there, and we can always go back to it and and see what those ideas were later. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes too the. For me, as a, I guess, a creative person or whatever, the, the difficulty is, like, I'll just put an idea and it's, I, like, I'll make it clear it's not fully formed. It's just as an idea. If it, and people reply with, this, like, they'll reply with this isn't fully formed. And I know this gets back to Mike Shea's uh, belief about comments on, on sites. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's one of the things, too, is just, like, it's hard because, like, or like, who are you to tell me what to do? And I'm like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying that I had this weird idea. I'm not saying it's even a great idea. Mm -hmm. It's just an idea. Or is this on your side? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the other thing I do is it's kind of like ideas fight out. If if I can't remember them in three days, it's possible it was a great idea. It's also possible it wasn't. Right. And that's, yeah, I was I was going to sort of go with, uh, mention that as well. Is that, uh, you know, I might have five five new ideas a day. I might remember one of them two days later. And a week later, I might remember, you know, one of those that I that I had during that week. Right. But but, but you're right. It, it's it's evolution, right? Or it, it's the the survival of the fittest. You know, the the best ideas, the ones I'm, mo or at least the most ones I'm most excited about, are typically the ones that that I'll remember and and do something with. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny because I think we're we're also talking about kind of different things. I tend not to push story ideas. 
Mm-hmm. And my my feeling has always been, and and this probably makes me a horrible person. I mean, I'm I'm generally not that, in, and this is might be getting me fired off of the other podcasts that we do. Um, <laughs> generally, not that interested in other people's games, and you know they're interesting sometimes, but you know most of the time, and and and, and I also assume that no one's interested in mine. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to hear about the gory details of. You know the shield bashers of the, of the orcus that you statted out specifically to fight in your campaign. That's that's if you look at that, like <laughs> orcus was a was a prime component of the game, but the article I wrote was about stats for orcus mm-hmm. because you know I, I I know I wanted stats for orcus. I wish somebody had made stats for orcus that were good. So that's kind of what I pushed out. Not so much the background and the story. And this is actually makes it hard as a freelancer, uh, Watsi that I kind of got my name, if I have one, doing epic tier kind of stuff. And I always thought it was the mechanics because running epic tier stuff is really hard. Mm-hmm. And somebody to kind of figure out that, like, look, if you want a battle that's not going to take three hours long but still going to challenge level 27 characters, here's how you're going to have to do it. And for freelancers and, and, and hearing kind of what Watsi is interested, like, look, we could, you know, the mechanics are fine, but if it doesn't have a good story, if it doesn't have a good hook, if it doesn't really inspire imagination, we're, we don't care about the stats. Mm-hmm. That was a a big change for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I still don't do that on Sly Flourish, right? On, on my website, you, you won't find story ideas there. You'll find gaming advice, you know, find table tips and, 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 and same with the, same with the books, right? The well, book all about. And, and that's interesting. Uh, Cause I was, I, I've been, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about my own inspiration process, right? Um, it's you, did we? What's that? We didn't ask you where you get your inspiration. No, I talked about it. Um, but, but, like you mentioned, you know, hearing other people talk about their games does not necessarily inspire me. Um, reading a novel does not necessarily inspire me. Um, watching a movie or a TV show doesn't necessarily give me ideas or inspiration for my game. But if I get something that's that's just formed enough, you know, like for example, the the example uh, setting or whatever that you were doing in your in your book that I did the early reading of, right? It was just formed enough that I developed my own ideas and my own story. You know, if something already has a story to it, sometimes I have a hard time interjecting my own thing into it because I'm stuck too much in the mindset of, well, that this is the story of that thing, right? So I need I need it just fleshed out enough to, to give me some ideas, but vague enough to allow me to build my own story. Right. Yeah, and actually, I think that that's where, that's the trick of this whole kind of inspiration thing is that, and it, it's actually, you know, you guys uh, did the uh, the Tome Show with Dave Chalker talking about how to give feedback for D&D Next. And I think mm-hmm. there's actually a, a related concept here. Um, and that's that, you know, we're all pretty creative people with, you know, inside our noggins are the best computers that have ever, you know, ever been created in, on the planet. Uh, and we don't like to just draw pure copies of someone else's idea we would make our own mm-hmm. right. so that and and when we give feedback and we're resistant to copying you know we don't like to just say i love your idea uh you know for your game against uh zastam and i'm gonna do the exact same thing right we say no i like that but i don't like this part mm-hmm. but i asked ham and i like the idea that there's this huge thing going on in Thay. so i'm gonna do stuff with that see i actually listen to the other show um so you know so you, you, we grab the parts that we like. And if somebody kind of tries to push it to you, like getting feedback on a game, for example, mm-hmm. 
you're going to be resistant to their direct idea. So right. saying things like, you know, uh, characters in D&D Next don't have enough hit points, add more hit points to them, you're almost going to get the opposite response, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not going to say, you're right, we're going to add more hit points. They're going to go, no, let me think about that. And what if we did this instead, right? So the funny thing about advice is you or, generally- Or at the very least, I'm not going to get any inspiration from that. Right. You know, <laughs> right. And, and maybe if it's real specific and real direct, you might just say, yeah, I guess that's what we're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're going to try to find their own solution to it. So, you know, if you build inspiration as, as a method to say, I know that this is just a seed and I'm going to let it grow in your mind. I'm not going to try to give you a fully fledged thing. It probably would be more successful mm-hmm. than saying, here's, here's the, you know. Well, and that, and that, that brings up another idea for me anyway. Um, if I can interrupt the last statement you were, or last word you were going to say, um, is that sometimes I, I can listen to people talk about their games and I do find inspiration, I guess. Um, but, but it's not that I'm going to do that game. It's, you know, the, the Zastam campaign that I did, the one, the 30th campaign, right? It started out as I was listening to uh, role-playing public radio. And they were talking about zombie apocalypse stories in different settings. I think they were talking about Call of Cthulhu or something at one point, actually. And I said, hey, I bet you could do a zombie apocalypse story in D&D. Fourth edition is coming out. I like the Forgotten Realms. Where would I stick a zombie apocalypse story in the realms? Thay, of course I would. And that's where the whole campaign started. You know, right. uh, From there, it was just adding in details and building it with the players as, as they went through, through everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm... I always try to run the line of people love to talk about their character stories, but it's hard to get into it because you're not there and you don't have the whole story and it, it's the context is what's important. But I try to listen for the things that they really loved about it. So like mm-hmm. there's this one person who was telling me about their character that turned into a vampire and blah, 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 blah. The, that part wasn't important. The, the fact that they all went on this huge quest to change the person back from being a vampire and that's what they really loved about it was what I took away from the conversation. And like I eventually want to do... Uh, that sort of thing in my game too. And so I think that's where you can get the inspiration from it. But it can be very difficult when people get too detailed about their their setting or their characters, like you're saying, because then it's about that and it's not about that larger idea of what they found Mm -hmm. interesting or fun. And like talking about the hit points thing, I found that when the hit points are too low, people don't do interesting things in the game anymore because they're kind of scared to. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather say that than saying, oh, hit points are too low. (laughs) But yeah. Um, I'm, I've been trying to find this, uh, it's an interesting, uh, briefing that came out of the Stanford, uh, I think it's called the, the Stanford persuasion, persuasive technology lab. Oh, I think that's your, your D and D advice comes from the strangest places. Yeah. <laughs> um, DMing is were, mind control. I get from everywhere. Uh, but they were talking about like the habits and, and habit forming things. And I, th- I think it's related. If it's not related, you can say that's not related. <laughs> I work kind of all over the place. It's all related. Well, but it, but it kind of gets to this idea like, okay, so you've, you've, you've picked up tips, right? You've, you've called all this information from DMs. You've squeezed it out of their heads and digested it, you know, poured it into a cup and drank deep. And now you want to actually get some use out of it. How do you, you know, what do you do with a thousand D&D tips, right? And the key is you don't do anything with a thousand D and D tips, but you could do something with you know three, right? Or you could do one small thing. So this this I, I I think this is the right place. I'll have to find the link and send it to you for the show notes. But there were three tips for like how to how to make habits, you know, how to build habits, right? How to how to build something that that would stick rather than like all these great ideas. But I'm I'm too busy and I've got things going on, and I'm just going to go back to running my crappy game. 
and they were like, do it every day, make it really small, and uh, sandwich it between two other habits that you already do. You know, so it's like it's the, it's the same thing. Like if you wanted to say, okay, well, like each day I want to, you know, come up with good ideas for um, freelance articles, or I want to come up with good D and D, you know, good ideas for D and D tips. So it's like, okay, well, how do you you know, how do you tie it to two things that you already do every day? How do you make sure that it takes no energy and no time to do it? It's really, really small. And um, uh, what was the third? Uh, I don't remember. Clearly, I'm not any good at these habits. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, do it every day. Sandwich it between two others and make it really small. You know, I mean, that that's a way to kind of take some of this stuff you know, all of these big kind of ways to look at our games and all these big ways to, to kind of gain influence and say, here's how we can shrink it down to something that we can actually do every day. Well, and for me, that was part of the stuff I liked about D&D Next. Uh, the, having the background separate from specialties and everything meant that that was something I could play with without, and it's kind of boxed off. So I can create my own backgrounds without worrying about everything else, and then I can start moving outward from there and learning the other parts of the system. Where when one of the things I had with 4E in trying to think of creating my own classes was like I, ha I had to know so much stuff in order to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could get into a whole topic about. It. Yeah. And and I I I find throughout the editions I've I've tried to use mechanics to create story to create inspiration when i'm making characters and things you know um is that you know i might i might build a character and then try to reconcile a story in my head as to how all those disparate things those disparate mechanical bits would all come together to make this person and you know in a way that would make sense right right yeah i've actually had more fun uh, a paragon campaign that a friend of mine has run and uh, I started a new thief, uh, Essentials Thief, and I took Morden Kanan's Magnificent Emporium, and I bought every one of like the mundane items, oh, you know, wow. items, and I wrote it all down on my sheet. And I'm using that stuff all over the place. Mm -hmm. And avoid, like, well, it's not on my sheet, so I'm not doing it. It's like I've got the thing that looks around corners. That's like a leather binocular thing that lets me peek around corners. And yeah, yeah I love that I, stuff. All that, stuff, yeah. I want I so one of the things I do I would love to create at some point when I have more money is our books of those things but just like come up with the random craziest go goblin technology out there and just put them in a little book with hopefully with some images for some of them <laughs> and <laughs> I would love it so I don't care if anybody else buys it mm -hmm. uh, the junk of junk later <laughs> I love you know on, on critical hits for Gamma World mm -hmm. you know they. Yeah. Million, million different potential items. I use that all the time. That's a good, that's a good source for inspiration. I mean, if we're still, are we still talking about inspiration from Gen Con, or are we talking about inspiration from anywhere? I think uh, we're rambling about all sorts of things about inspiration at this point. Yeah, I mean, because the other one that I, I'm promoting a lot in Lazy DM, and and I'm including in Lazy DM, um, are random, random lists. Um, not, as, not necessarily as use this and then you don't have to think, but as here's a list of 20 things and you can kind of look at them and go, oh, you know, that one's interesting. I might get something from that. Or you might roll just to see what the hell comes up. You, you could know, do like, a... But I, I like random, yeah. random lists of stuff. 
Well, and along the lines of the the Gamma World thing you're talking about, uh, National Geographic does a picture of the day, I think, or 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 a week in, of the week, and oftentimes it's like a landscape or an underground cave, or the what was it the frost, the instant frost underneath the ocean that had trapped like starfish and everything. Mm-hmm. It was like this bolt that came through the water. Wow. I've got, I've got a guy I follow on um, Facebook, uh, Mark CMG of, from CMG Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things he posts a ton of on Facebook is just really crazy, inspiring images of this, that, and whatever, right? Um, and I'm looking at one right now that's just this massive library, the kind of that you, you're, you know... 20 foot tall bookshelves just stacked to the brim and all that kind of stuff. And it's the kind that you, that you describe oftentimes in a fantasy setting, but you, but you very seldom actually see in real life. So it's that kind of stuff or geo, geographic stuff, you know, physical features and, and that kind of stuff that he, he posts constantly um, that I, I'm assuming he's doing from a point of, of inspiration, right? Yeah. Cause, cause I'm even recalling right now that there, there was the library one time with trees growing in it because it had been abandoned. Oh yeah. It was like a house library. See, th- those are great things for inspiration to like sort of file away in the back of your head. Like, I'm not going to create a an adventure around that concept, but if they go into a random place, it, or I'm just making it up on the fly using Mike's uh, lazy DM sort of techniques, mm-hmm. that might just be a, a concept of a place in my head that I'll sometimes just pull out and make it a thing. Right. Those can go in the random roll tables. Right. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, you know, Stephen King was also really big into uh, reading all the time from everywhere about all sorts of things, fiction and nonfiction. I think mm-hmm. Perkins wrote, wrote about um, getting inspiration from nonfiction. Mm-hmm. One thing, getting back to, like, inspiration things for for conventions, um, you know, Tracy actually put me on the spot in a situation that uh, taught me an awful lot and, and, you know, got me thinking about, a lot of this stuff and, and actually kind of fed into the lazy DM idea, uh, which is just running games on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were at a Hooters and uh, at a bachelor party, right? Are you talking mm-hmm. two, three years ago? Yeah, about yeah. three years And she handed me the adventure and said, here, run this. Mm-hmm. And here's, and by the way, you know, Chris Sims is at the table. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, and I and I stopped her. I said, "What are the what are the five main things? Like, walk walk through the outline with me, because I'm not reading all this. You know, like what are the, you know, what are the five steps in this? What where does it start and where's it head?" And she told me, and I said, "Okay, let's go." And you know, you can learn. And so, I mean, beyond just playing in games and kind of recognizing what what good and bad things did you learn from the DMs that you're that you're playing with, um, you know the. Uh, the other one is running games and kind of getting ideas from different players and, and seeing how different people react to what you do. And I, I really think you learn a lot from running on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I did that twice because I did that the year before as well where Enrique, the VDM, and, and a bunch of his friends were in and it was like 11.30 at night and we're still hanging out in the the, the Sagamore ballroom and we're like, we want to play some D&D. And I, I just like, just hand me an adventure. And they did the... The guys that ran the organized play just handed me a random one, and I just ran it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and, and that's one of the things that, that you're gonna that you're gonna be talking a lot about. I think in the the new Lazy DM book as well, 
is, is yeah. you know how much to prepare to feel like you're ready to go, but not over, but not spend any more time preparing than you need to, you know. Yeah, um, and that that's a careful balance to find. I, I was actually um, there was a convention just down the way in in Durham here a couple weekends ago that I went to, um, and I I met up with uh, James Wyatt who was a guest there, uh, running a lot of D and D next. He was the WotC representative for the for the convention. And then afterwards, he and I and, and some of my friends got together and we went and had some pizza and hung out for a few hours or whatever. But he was talking about what he was doing when he was running D&D Next um, at the convention and, and I think at home as well. And he he's not prepping anything. Mm-hmm. He, he shows up and he's got a stack of like five to ten old first edition modules. <laughs> and, and he's like, okay, so um, – in the setting, these are the places that exist, right. you know, and they're all, you know, the barrier peaks and hamlets and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, th- this, this is the stuff, you know, I'm building the map and I'm building the world as we go because these are the modules that, that are there. As you're in town, I'm going to seed it with all these different things that are going on. Uh, and, he's, and he's just completely making it up on the fly. He just sort of took all those, mashed them together and said, this is the setting and here's all the stuff going on and there's something going on at each of those locations. And if you go there, he pulls out that module and, and as he ran – Adventures the, the entire weekend the the what three four days of the of the con I think it was three days of the con um, he built it was all a shared setting so the first group went to this place and did stuff and then the next group um, you know would hear about the stories of that first group and what they did and now suddenly that that adventure hook is a lot less interesting because adventures already went and did that you know right. And so he was building it all there, but he was doing it all on the fly with just sort of a stack of, of things for for setting details and the rest of it he just sort of made up as he went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of connected to that because we've been talking about uh, playing in games, but playing in games that aren't D and D can also help with this too. Mm-hmm, sure. yeah. uh, particularly things like Dungeon World or Old School Hack or Dresden Files, which has uh, the cooperative world building. I, I All play, those I things can, some, can some... be pulled into your own D and D games to figure out mm-hmm. what works best for you. I played some Thirteenth Age, um, and I got some ideas from that. <laughs> um, and I, uh, Mike's Gamma World game at Gen Con, I got some ideas from that. And I know, Mike, you've been, been doing a lot of uh, integrating some aspects of Fiasco into your D&D. Yeah, I've only actually played like two Fiasco games, mm-hmm. but it was enough to, 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 to try to draw in a lot of ideas from that. Mm-hmm. For the, again, for that cooperative world, world building aspect. My, my, I'm actually, you know, I haven't played nearly enough other games to really be able to do that. That's something that... Yeah. It's a big weakness of mine. Mm-hmm. Well, we just we just went through character creation for a D&D Next game, and I did world building as part of it because I, I wanted to run a game that they actually wanted to play in, and I wasn't sure because most of the group I, I haven't spent a lot of time around. I wasn't sure what they were going to be interested in. So I sat down and was like, okay, let's start building the world. Uh, you know, and, and I pulled out my Ebron books, my Dark Sun books, like what parts of these do you like? Uh, mm-hmm. I have a book of renaissance maps and i was like what site of type of city would you like to play in? Mm, yeah cool. that's 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 actually that's great i i i think i'm i think i wrote an article about that or i'm about to write an article about it um yeah i wrote an article I, I about, my, about my attempts at similar things uh, a while back as well yeah about um use it right your first session of your campaign is a campaign building session rather uh-huh. than an adventure yeah uh, because one of the things, and this is something, again, that I've picked up a lot from playing in a bunch of games at Gen Con and stuff like that, is it's really kind of annoying when you have this real deep, rich idea for your character, and you sit at the table, and the guy say, yeah, that's great. You start here. You know? <laughs> you yeah. Guy comes up and says, I need help. My griffin escaped. And you're like, yeah, my guy doesn't give a crap about griffins. Right. Right. So yeah. there's definitely, like, it's so much nicer when 
the players are building their characters and while you're building the world at the same time and they're all working together. Well, and that can, right. go, that can go two ways as well, right? If, if a DM has an inspiration for a story or for a setting, then you can also communicate that to the players and, and help them build characters that are inspired by that setting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can go it can go either way, but but it is definitely a much richer experience in in in, in my years I've noticed anyway. Um, if the characters and the setting all fit together, you know, the players yeah. the players and the DM have worked together to make everything sort of work within the same concept of storytelling that you're doing. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, it, right. It's, it's great. I mean, I was, you know, my, my, my wife, Michelle and I go for two walks each day with our dog and oh, I said the W word. Luckily, <laughs> um, he hears it and he goes and mm-hmm. gets ready. So, um, we go for these walks, and I was on one of these where we had just finished up our Gardmore campaign and, and said, what do you want to do? And she said, I kind of like Eberron. We haven't been to Eberron in a while. I'm like, okay. And and I kept thinking, like, I kind of like to do the Slave Lords series. So what would the Slave Lords in Eberron be like? And I open it up, and I go, hmm, Lazar Principalities. That looks cool. So, Great. you know, this idea, and then it was like, okay, what do, what do other people want to do? And the funny thing is they're not at all really interested in the Slave Lord aspect. <laughs> so they're sure. off other things. Well, but but you and you bring up an interesting point more and more. And one this is one of the points that came out as I was reading through the Cobalt Guide, complete Cobalt Guide to Game Design for the book club. Is one of the things he mentions in there is to look for interesting mashups. Yeah. And the more I think about, like at first, I was I was largely underwhelmed by that concept. Like sometimes that just comes off hacky. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, as I think more and more about it, like it's not always hacky. Sometimes it's su- more subtle and it works. I mean. What you're talking about is is a mashup, right? You had an idea uh, for the kind of story you wanted to tell. You had an idea for the setting. You mashed them up to see how it worked. You know, yeah, uh, my Zaz Tam campaign, right? I had an idea for a zombie apocalypse story. I wanted to do the Forgotten Realms. I mashed them up, and that's what we came up with, right? It doesn't always have to be crazy mashups. Sometimes you, it can, and it's super fun. Um, but yeah, just if you if you look for it, most areas of inspiration, or a lot of areas of inspiration, are when you can take something from different disparate things that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, squish them together and and it, it and make it work in really cool ways. Yeah, well, because a lot of stories have a similar base archetype, but we just skin them in different ways depending on our own backgrounds and contexts. Mm-hmm. So you can you can pull those archetypes out and put, mash them together much easier, in my opinion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, 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 the motivator for me in all of this is always Quentin Tarantino, who I think does... <laughs> absolutely fantastic mashups and he's not subtle like is there these totally blatant like what if we had you know the wild west you know what is, what is it my favorite you know god he's fantastic right in um inglorious bastards the first line is you know uh, um uh what was it like a long time ago in nazi occupied france you know i mean <laughs> i forget what it is you know it's like this, I, I what, what's, it, what's so the can... wild west going to be like in nazi germany mm-hmm. or you know how are you how are you going to do a you know, a kung fu swords movie with anime in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's well, that, that's that's, that's, that's like pretty easy mashup. Movie. Kung fu and anime is sort of hand hand. Yeah, right. But then, <laughs> then grindhouse, you know, a grindhouse movie. Yeah, like make it a grindhouse, and then then you got something interesting. Right. So and, I think yeah. And you were talking about fiasco for the D and D stuff, I, I, and I took that part, and I was like, you know, on the days when we can't get the entire group here, fiasco sounds like it would be great. Because uh, we could tell stories that build the world without worrying about, hey, somebody's character, or you don't have the cleric this week, or that character dies while mm-hmm. the person's away from the table. 
And you could even do that without using those characters. Like, go to a diff- little different corner of the world. Yeah. Create completely new characters and tell a different story of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've even thought of having them play the bad guys sometimes. Absolutely. Like, if, I, if I'm not entirely sure which way the bad guys would go, they could play them. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the reasons why it works for Wyatt to just throw a bunch of first edition modules on the table is he probably knows every word in every one of those modules. <laughs> yeah. So he's got, he doesn't even need the modules. Like, Wait, where do you want to play? I'll send you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, kind of, and, and I don't, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? I'd have to actually read it. You know, I want to, I've actually kind of been railroading my players to go to Isle of Dread and, um, I've never run it before, but my wife has a copy of it and I was like, oh, I kind of want to try that. Cool. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm still back to your original question of, of, you know, if you, if you're at, if you're at Gen Con and, and, you know, all, all the different ways to kind of capture all that. And and what what one does with it, I mean, again, I I use it to just fuel the site, and I you know my own site helps me, so that's kind of my way to journal it all and mm-hmm. keep track of it and organize it and and break it into little bite sized hundred and forty character pieces. Um, yeah, that, yeah, and that, and that, and that's help. I mean, but obviously not everybody can be a blogger, but I think just sharing ideas with your game group and and writing to them about it or emailing or at your weekly game conversations just having those discussions so that at least it's in other people's minds so that right. later on when you have an opportunity to use something maybe maybe they'll remind you or spark that if it was of interest to them too which even better right if if they're also hooked yeah i mean it's it's you know it, it's really and the the other interesting thing about all the tips is that there's really i mean i don't know if you could categorize them in exactly two kinds but there's kind of like big big kind of fuzzy philosophical tips and then there's real practical ones and the practical ones seem to resonate pretty well mm-hmm. um i remember the first time where it was like the first time i saw somebody that that wrote character names on three by five cards and used that to do initiative over the top of a dm screen i was like wow that's a fantastic idea you know? <laughs> and it's so small right it's just whoa look three by five cards folded in half brilliant you know but it do, really do you, do you have stock in three by five cards <laughs> oh, three by fives are great. They're, they're, I have a whole chapter on them in my book. I know, uh, <laughs> and, and, and then it's a continuing theme throughout the whole thing, right? And I've been talking about it for like four years, you know. But um, the, the, the little bottle rings. Do you remember when the bottle rings for for marks? Or mm-hmm. um, you know, I still have a big bag. You know, everyone at work. I, I eventually, like, I went to my office, and people would be sitting around in meetings, and I'd be grabbing their bottles off of their in front of. <laughs> See that's that's why I never did the bottle rings because I didn't want to have to collect them all. It was just, and then eventually had everyone at work doing it and handing them to me. Oh yeah, bags <laughs> of them, you know. But that's it's it's little things like that, and that resonates really well. I think I think we love our our little practical things like that, and some of the fuzzier stuff is a lot harder. You know, people are probably running really terrible railroaded games where you know yeah. the NPCs are doing all the interesting stuff, but boy, they're. They've got their three by five cards and their rings. Well, and, that, and that's especially hard to really get into and and pick apart and, and understand in 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 140 characters or even in a in a decent length blog post, right? Um, I like to think that's the kind of thing that we can get into a little bit more with you know a 45 minute conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know? right. The thing I love about th- three by five cards is that they're plain, so I can put things like stuff that's in the room, I can write it down on that, and you still have to think about, like, you still have to come up with your own description or your own view of what that what that means, where, like, if I put a mini on the table, it just does people just assume that the mini is what it is. 
it's funny. Yeah, I, it's funny it, because um, I'm not sure if we're. It, sometimes we're discussing how we get inspiration, and sometimes I think we're providing inspiration. I know. <laughs> three, five, three by five cards are a fantastic tool. I don't know if it has anything to do with getting inspiration. <laughs> Here, look, I'm holding one in my hand. Um, get the plain ones. Don't put lines on them. Lines are for for dorks, right? Lines are for boring people who. Um, I actually started taking to drawing pictures of my NPCs on them rather than just putting their name and little vital statistics. I actually like to do a little sketch. But you have some of, artistic skill. Well, yeah. I mean, I went to I went to a class. I don't know if I can call it artistic skill. Well, I draw but, stick figures. Yeah. Well, you could do that, right? I mean, you draw whatever you can draw. Like, what's the interesting trait about them? And and um, uh, so you know, then that's a, a a real nice thing about a card. And the other thing that I love about the three by five card is it's limited. It's very small. Yeah. Right. Can't pack it full. You you don't end up with a ream worth of material that you're never going to use. You're like, oh, I've got, I can only fit so much on this card, you know. I see that, you that's have, that's always my trick though, is that I end up trying to fit way too much on those cards, and then it becomes useless because there's just too much on it. I I, I need I need to follow your example and become a little more zen about the whole thing and and get it down to the bare minimum. You know, I have a real hard time with it. I'm 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 like, oh, you know, I'm I just tore down a whole game and rebuilt it tonight. Yeah. You know. For a game tomorrow, I'm like, that's not lazy. That was stupid. Right. Well, stupid. And, and it's yeah. funny because, uh, you know, again, as an early reader of your book, that's one of the things you talked about was, you know, put all these things on a three by five card. And, uh, but, you know, this is the kind of statement, not this kind of statement. It's like, yeah, but that second statement is not going to fit on a three by five card. Like, you got really long, <laughs> you know? And, right. And, but, you know, that's, but sometimes the, the beauty is in the details. Yeah, and it's like you don't really need a giant paragraph. You just need a, what are the couple of bullets? Well, right, you know? because and, because you, as the person who came up with the concept, know what you want to get into. You know the details once you have those those handful of bullets to to remember your inspiration. Right. Uh, I also like using components from other games. Like at Gen Con, I played a game called Dixit, D I X I T, and it's kind of like apples to apples, but you're, uh, it's all picture cards. And and basically, what you do is you the whoever whose ever turn it is uh, says a phrase or word or sound based on the card that they're, they're going to play, and then everyone else picks a card from their own hand that's that's similar and puts down. But the thing is, there's all these awesome pictures that are part of the part of this game that could inspire a thousand adventures. Because mm-hmm. most of them are pretty fantastical. Yeah, absolutely. No, in fact, one of the things I did when I when I first moved. Uh, to Raleigh from Omaha, uh, you know we're moving halfway across the country. We've got a big, big moving company taking our stuff, and and you're paying by the pound, <laughs> so I can't take everything. Like, and I've got I've got dungeon, I've got, I've got dragon magazines going back for years, and 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 I'm for an edition I'm not even playing anymore. It's like, can I really justify paying the expense of moving boxes full of magazines for an edition of of the game I'm not playing anymore? So I spent two three weeks sitting in front of the TV every night and looking through those magazines and just cutting out any interesting pictures I could find. Really? And, I, and then I tossed the rest of the magazines. And I, I now have just a box full of magazine clipping of pictures from Dragon Magazine yeah. that, that are edition proof, right? And, and, I, and I, in fact, I did this for the first year of our campaign and then I kind of got lazy with it and stopped doing it. But I, I really liked it. You know, I would, when there was a new NPC, I'd go flipping through that and find my inspiration. Okay, this is who that character is. And, right. that, and, and then when I introduced that NPC, I would I would hold it up and say, okay, here's who you're fighting. And mm-hmm. then when they defeated the NPC, whoever sort of had that iconic moment in that encounter, I would give them that picture and we would tape it onto their folder where they kept their character. Yeah. So they'd, they'd have it as sort of a memento, a trophy as they went through the campaign. 
Yeah. And we were talking about storing. Pinterest is great for this. Uh, like online. Mike, Mike, are you eating again? No, that's not. No, me. no, no, no. I'm looking at my munching cards because. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not eating. You got me I'm thinking hungry. about cards. Um, uh-huh. but Pinterest, uh, like particularly for anything online, you can search through. Uh, if there's any images that will inspire your campaign, you can save them. That's what I've been doing. But I heard Pinterest was a girl sh- site. <laughs> Whatever works, man. <laughs> I'm on the home page, and there's a whole lot of pictures of a woman braiding her hair. <laughs> Ooh, I could go right now. Uh, you could go to my boards, which will not be about that. But it has the prismatic art on there. Well, one of the other things about kind of gaining inspiration or forcing yourself, you know, forcing constraint, you know, I think that a lot of creativity comes from constraint um, and uh, going to a gaming convention with a limited, with a small set of stuff also kind of forces you to really, you know, really be creative about how you're going to run your game. I try to go with a really small kit and... uh you know, the smaller, the better, because, you know, I need just enough to run a game, and then I have to come up with the rest. And that makes for a pretty interesting, I think can make for a pretty interesting game. Yeah, I when I went to Queen City Conquest a few weeks week, weekends ago, uh, I had to run a D&D next game, and I, I brought a duffel bag and my backpack, and that was it. And I, we just did theater of the mind style play. We didn't even use minis, and it was, I forced myself to do it, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get better at the theater of the mind. I'm still relying on maps a lot. I like maps. I think, I think <laughs> tomorrow I, I have a map set up, and I think I'm gonna tear it down and go with, uh, um, and go with theater of the mind. Yeah, I, I, I well, most of my game didn't involve combat, so that helped. Mm-hmm. I could probably do the whole thing in theater of the mind tomorrow. And I had never really done it before, so I was kind of forcing myself. Yeah. I drew a whole map, but maybe I was to erase it. Thanks. You just ruined my map. <laughs> it was a beautiful map, too. Well, mission accomplished for the episode, then. <laughs> Should we uh, wrap things up? Any last thoughts on uh, inspiration? At one point, I thought when we got to about the 30-minute mark, I thought we were sort of clipping through things quick and we wouldn't have enough to talk about, but we just sort of ramble all over the place. That's what happens when you talk about inspiration. We got inspired. And- uh, yeah, I think that, the, you know, I, the one thing, and I think we all talked about it, and, and you, you guys hit on it early, is that you have to always be learning, right? You have to always be, I mean, if you think you're an awesome DM, you're probably not, <laughs> right? And, but if you're always just saying, like, all I want to, you know, the, the, the Zen style of, I want, however good I am, I want to get better, and mm-hmm. I can learn from everybody, right? Well, and, and everything, and everything. Mm-hmm. And you can be inspired by everything, too. I mean, generally speaking, I'd like to think that, that we think of ourselves as fairly creative people inside or outside of gaming, right? And creative people are constantly being inspired by things. And just being right. open to that and, and recognizing it when it happens, um, I think, is, is the first step to finding good inspiration for good stories. Right, right. So, as the Zen monks say, empty your cup. Right, so you can fill it with life's experiences and... And, and run a great game. All right, Tracy. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, I think Mike did a good job there. 
All right. So before we go on to the to, to wrap things up, we want to mention our other sponsor for the episode, Noble Knight Games. We are very excited to have them back as a sponsor after being being away for several months. Uh, if you're a new listener or forgotten what Noble Knight is all about, they are a brick and mortar game store that also has an online store that specializes in finding you things that are out of print, game products and, and all that kind of stuff, anything you're looking for. My pick for this episode is Eyes of the Lich Queen, because apparently, much like uh, Mike over there, my group uh, has been finding inspiration in looking in new areas of, of D&D and other games that they haven't played before, and they said they wanted to try out Eberron. Uh, and they also wanted to have an adventure that was designed specifically for Eberron to, to play, and I played a little bit of Eyes of the Lich Queen back in the day and, and felt like it... W- portrayed Eberron very well and what it was all about. Um, so I'm making it my pick of this episode to because it's something I'm going to use. And I'm going to take the this – it's a third edition adventure and I'm totally going to use the inspiration of it and convert it over to the game system of their choice, which is probably going to be fourth edition. And away we go. And that's why Noble Knight's great. All those bits of inspiration from past and present can be yours. Check them out and tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Noble Knight Games has been serving the needs of thousands of gamers worldwide since 1997. With a huge selection of over 30,000 unique products, including discounts on most in-print games of up to 50% off or more. Noble Knight Games is the place for out-of-print RPGs, board games, war games, collectible card games, miniatures, and all things game-related. They ship worldwide and will purchase or trade your titles you no longer need, new, or used. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Just visit www.noblenight.com or visit our website for direct access to thousands of new, out-of-print, and in some cases, one-of-a-kind items. So we'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, Continue Magazine and Noble Knight, and also to our guest, Mike Shea. Mike, where can people find you? Slyflourish.com and twitter.com slash slyflourish. And slyflourish.com slash buck. Sure. <laughs> For whenever the new book comes out, and new book will be at slyflourish.com slash lazy, but I haven't created that site yet. See, you need to just have the the one URL slyflourish.com slash book that has all of them. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> all right, tough problem. It is. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Call into the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME, 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And you can find show notes at the, on the website at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 204, where we scoured the cosmos for inspiration to find some diamonds in the rough. In this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm on the wall.